offering a basic income to reduce poverty and improve health is once again on the political radar in canada in the 1970s two manitoban towns were part of the mincom project residents whose income fell below a certain threshold received a basic income dr evelyn forget an economist and professor in the department of community health sciences at the university of manitoba analyzed the data that came out of this study she explains why this idea is once again being discussed in Canada. The labor market, I think, has changed quite a lot. And if anything, I'd say that there's more of a call for a basic income today than there might have been in the 1970s. People change jobs far more often. There are many, many more people with precarious kinds of jobs. People who are working part-time would rather work full-time. People who face gaps between short-term contracts. So those kinds of changes, I think, cry out for a change in the way we deliver social programs. I think we became very aware of some of these factors during the last recession. It's influencing the kinds of solutions that we're prepared to think about. That's perhaps why basic income is getting under the hearing now. What is the basic principle behind guaranteed annual income? Family physician and vice president at Women's College Hospital, Danielle Martin, explains. Anyone who falls below a certain level that is required for a human to meet his or her basic needs would effectively just get topped up. So it's an alternative to our existing social assistance programs, which are highly bureaucratic and which don't give people enough money to survive on. And it would allow people who work part-time or work on and off or are in what's known as precarious work, it would give those people security and make sure that they're able to achieve that sort of basic level of income. Dr. Martin sees it as filling in the gaps of existing social programs, such as old age security and Canada Child Benefits. Guaranteed annual income would not only provide an additional social safety net, but would reduce the complexity of the process both for the government and the recipient. The principle of a guaranteed annual income requires a, a psychological shift away from a pretty invasive model that we currently have where people have to spend a lot of time in engaging with caseworkers, filling out forms, sort of proving their worthiness in a number of different ways. So the bureaucracy is actually really intense. And if you compare it to the amount of income support people actually get, it's, a, I would say, a pretty poor investment of our time and resources. Already, we top up Canadian seniors incomes in order to make sure that seniors don't fall below the poverty line. And we don't ask them all kinds of invasive questions about how they spend their money. You know, the, the guaranteed annual income assumes that grown people can make good choices with the money that we provide them with, and we don't have to be policing that process. So under a guaranteed income, you essentially wouldn't have to deal with any of that bureaucracy. You just have to show that you're earning below what the minimum cutoff is, and you get topped up. And so it moves away from this concept of judging people's worthiness for support. Dr. Forget explains that there are many aspects of life and health that would be improved by a stable, predictable income. Health is not just a function of bad luck or bad genes. So the more money you have, the easier it is for you to eat well, to exercise, to live in housing that doesn't expose you to molds or to dangerous chemicals. The kind of jobs you're likely to take on are less dangerous jobs. So everything about your life, I think, is healthier the more money you tend to have. I think that there are other aspects as well. I think one of the most corrosive effects of not having enough money, of being on income assistance, of being poor, is worry. And I think reducing that stress goes a long way towards improving the health of people. I 
mean, we spend a tremendous amount of money on healthcare delivery in this country, and a whole lot of it is driven by the fact that people simply don't have the resources they need to live good, healthy lives. In Canada, the 1970s study in Dauphin, Manitoba, provided clear evidence of the positive effects of introducing basic income, says Dr. Forget. Hospitalization rates were strongly affected by receiving a basic income. We found a reduction of about 8.5% in hospitalization rates. When I looked at it more carefully to find out what was causing that decline, one of the factors was a reduction in hospitalization for mental health issues. So overall, I guess we concluded that health improved. The other big finding was an increase in the high school completion rate. A form income, some of these boys from low-income families were under a fair amount of family pressure to become self-supporting as quickly as they could. So the boys would turn 16, they'd be encouraged to go out and get a job. When income came along and their families started to receive income, some of the parents decided that their older sons might be able to stay in high school just a little bit longer. Would some Canadians take advantage of a guaranteed basic income to avoid work? It's very unlikely, says Dr. Martin. I think it's important for people to remember that we're not talking about giving recipients of a of a basic income a huge amount of money. You know, the the number that's been thrown around, for example, would probably be in the range of around $20,000 a year for a single individual. It's enough to eke out a dignified existence. It's not much more than that. So it really is an income that allows people to meet basic needs. So, I mean, of course, people can always cheat. People can cheat in our current social assistance programs. They could cheat in a guaranteed annual income program. We don't design policies and programs for exceptions. We design them for, for the rule, for the majority. of The purpose of an income support program is not to try to keep it away from people who need it. It's to give it to people who need it. So we should design our programs with that purpose in mind. For Evidence Network, I'm Melanie Holobosky.